0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but we're halfway through summer. We are halfway through summer, uh, but I'll build you back up with the good news of the gospel. Don't worry. Uh, It's mid-July, and by this point in the summer, I would imagine you've had a chance to do some traveling. Uh, Midway through the summer, you've probably made it maybe up north. Maybe you've traveled out of state to see family or friends. Uh, Maybe you've been traveling for work. And depending on how far your travels have taken you, uh, maybe you drove to your destination, or maybe it was so far you had to fly in an airplane. Now, I don't know about you, but when I fly in an airplane, I love a window seat. I love a window seat. And the reason why uh, I I sit down in a window seat and I immediately become like a five-year-old child staring out the window with sheer joy and excitement Uh, because a window seat lets you look out and experience the change in scale, a spatial scale. I'll tell you what I mean. When you're sitting on the ground waiting to take off, you can see everything with great detail, right? You can see the faces on the people putting your luggage into the airplane. Uh, You can see the people hooking up the fuel truck to the airplane. You can see the guy with the cool flashlights waving them around telling the pilot where to go. Uh, You can see the individual lights on the runway. But when you take off, the scale changes. The spatial scale changes as you go up, 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 up. Suddenly, you can't see the fine details anymore, right? You can't see the faces on the people. You can't read the the words on the signs, but your scale changes, and you can see for miles and miles and miles. You can see the whole big, broad landscape. You can see an entire mountain, a whole lake, a river weaving through the countryside. You can see an interstate. You can see the whole thing. 30,000 feet on a clear day, the big, broad landscape. Uh, Well, in our scripture reading today, uh, Romans chapter 8, we continue through Romans. Last week, we were in the first part of Romans 8. This week, we're in the second part of Romans 8. The Apostle Paul plays around with scale. He gives us the 30,000-foot view of sin and salvation, and he gives us the ground-level details. Uh, Paul tells us here in Romans 8, he shows us what it looks like, sin and salvation in the big picture. Uh, the old order of life, the old creation broken by sin and the new creation set free in Christ Jesus. But he doesn't just leave us up in the clouds, but he descends down to the ground level so that you and me, that we can see what this looks like on our Monday morning so we can see what this looks like in the midst of our pain and joy and suffering and celebration. Uh, now, like I said, the Apostle Paul plays around with scale, spatial scale. I want to play around with a different type of scale, uh, a measuring scale. Uh, it's not a catapult like Pastor Davis, I, I think, hoped it was a catapult. Uh, it's a scale. Uh, and I made this in my garage. I'm, I'm quite proud of it. Uh, I'm amazed that it has not broken after two services, and I hope it doesn't break now. Uh, But we're going to use this to help us work through uh, this text here in Romans 8 and to understand what God's word is saying to you and to me. So we heard these words uh, just a few moments ago. Romans 8, this is verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. The creation was subjected to futility. Paul tells us that all of creation was brought down, subjected to futility. Notice he doesn't just say a little corner of creation, just Adam and Eve, or just the garden, just this part but not that part. No, he says the whole thing. All that God has made was subjected to futility. How? He tells us, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Uh, Paul's talking about sin, about sin subjecting creation to futility, but this is not sin in general. This is not some vague abstract sin out there, but the sin that Paul's talking about is the sin of Adam. Uh, He's the him that's referred to in this text, the him who subjected it. That's Adam. Uh, the sin of Adam brought down all of God's creation. Uh, this sounds a lot like Romans 5 verse 12. Uh, we heard that text a few weeks ago. Romans 5 12 says this, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Uh, so in other words we hear that sin came into the world and that sin Came into creation and it tipped the whole thing. Not just part of it, but all of it. All of creation brought down by the sin of Adam. All of creation inclined toward death. All of creation inclined toward despair. All of creation inclined toward decay. Not just Adam, but Adam and Eve. Cain and able, plants and animal, the soil, the air, all of God's creation, generation after generation after generation, you and me, living in a place, living in a creation uh, that's full of futility, full of brokenness, full of death, full of decay, inclined towards sin. But Paul goes on. He doesn't just tell us that it was all subjected to futility, but he tells us the very next verse, 21 and 22, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So even though the whole creation was tipped the wrong way through the sin of Adam, even though the whole creation was inclined towards sin, the whole creation now waits, now longs. It's on tiptoe with anticipation, waiting for that day when it'll be set free, when it'll be tipped back right, when it won't be inclined towards death, but it'll be inclined toward life and hope and the glory of God. And we hear, That this has begun already in Christ Jesus. Further on in this text, Romans 8, verse 34, we hear this. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us through his life, death, and resurrection. God has undone this. God has has taken a world that was inclined towards sin, tipped the wrong way, and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, through shedding his perfect blood on the cross for the sins of the world, through leaving the tomb empty, God has taken that sin of Adam, taken that sin that had metastasized through the whole creation, and he had put it right. He tipped it the right way. So now we live in a creation longing for that day, having had a glimpse of that day when it's inclined toward full grace, inclined toward glory, Uh, the grace of Jesus, heavier than the sin in this world. But you see, Paul doesn't just give us this big picture. This is the big picture of sin and salvation in the world, but Paul doesn't just leave us there at 30,000 feet. But he gives us the good news for you and for me. A personal good news. Uh, This isn't just cosmic good news for the whole world. Uh, The gospel is that. The gospel is good news for the world. But Paul also gives us personal good news. Uh, He gives us the gospel uh, for you, for me, for us. Uh, He signals this as he tells us these words. Romans verse uh, 8 Or chapter 8, verse 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Notice what he says there the sufferings of this present time. The reality is, there is going to be suffering in our life. There is going to be suffering, there's going to be pain, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be challenges. Uh, You can read all through scripture and nowhere does it say that the Christian life is free from suffering and hardship. Uh, Nowhere does it say that following Jesus is a path to health and wealth and happiness. The reality is there is going to be suffering. Uh, And I don't know where you are at with that right now. I don't know if maybe you're in a time right now of profound suffering and hardship and challenge. Uh, Maybe You had a time of hardship and suffering back in your past, a long time ago, but that event in the past causes you to still walk through life with a limp. Maybe you're just coming out of a time of suffering and and tribulation. Maybe, I don't know this, you don't know this, but maybe you've got a time of suffering on the horizon that you don't know about, a time of suffering you're heading into. But you see, in Jesus, our suffering is fundamentally different. Because in Jesus, when we experience suffering, when we experience hardship and hurt and pain, when we experience whatever life throws at us, we experience it with the weight of Jesus on our side. The reality of his empty tomb, always as that counterbalance, always as that anchor for you and for me in our suffering. So that when life throws hardship at you, when you go through hard times, when you go through pain and suffering, none of it, none of it outweighs what God has done for you in Jesus. None of that hardship is heavier than the grace of God. None of it. No matter how long it lasts, no matter how deep it is, no matter how profound it is, it will never tip the scale in the other way. Because you are in Christ, you are anchored in his love and his mercy. And that's why Paul says this. He concludes this chapter with these words, verses 38 and 39. He says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, As your pastor, uh, I feel obligated to tell you that it's typically not a good thing to add to Scripture, right? We typically don't want to impose ourselves on God's Word, bringing our own thoughts and opinions and so forth into the text. Uh, Translators work really hard to not impose on the text, but this is a rare exception in Scripture where God's Word invites us to actually bring something to the text. Here's what I mean. Looking at these words from Paul, he says, For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, and then right here, that's where God's word invites you to actually insert your own concerns and troubles and sufferings. Neither cancer, neither an uncertain future, neither an opportunity off on the horizon that you're waiting for, a new job. The loss of a job, no job, family problems, broken relationships, fear of failure, fear of regret, guilt, whatever it is, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know you all brought weights with you today. I know that you've all brought sufferings pains, hardships, weights that you've been carrying around this week, this month, this year, this lifetime. How do I know this? You have a pulse. You're a human being. But here's the thing. God tells us that we can take those weights and we can set them down. We can give those weights, those sufferings, those pains, those hardships, whatever those things are that you are carrying, you can give those to Jesus and you can have confidence and assurance no matter what it is you're carrying around. When you give it to him, his grace is always heavier. His love is always heavier. His promises for you are always heavier no matter what. He is our anchor in good times and in bad times. This is most certainly true.